Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. This is episode 73. And if it is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week is Clayton Stevens. Clayton plays guitar in Touche Amore, uh, but he also has a brand new sports podcast and YouTube show called The Alternates. This felt like a wonderful excuse to get Clayton on the show. He's only the uh, second member of the band that I've had come on. Early on in the podcast, I had Nick come on, so this was a lot of fun to talk to Clayton. Um, He and I obviously go very, very far back, and uh, what can I say? I love Clayton. And uh, it was exciting getting to talk to him about this uh, this new venture in his life. So definitely check out The Alternates if you are a punk who's also a fan of basketball, sports in general. Um, before we get there, uh, I want to give a shout out to Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER. When you visit store.dscvrd.co. Also, guess what? I have a Patreon. Hit up uh, patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where right now there is a bonus episode where Clayton answers questions that were submitted by subscribers. Uh, You can subscribe over there right now for as little as $3 where you'll get all this bonus content. But if you subscribe for at least $7 to $10, then you could submit questions to upcoming guests. There's some gifts. There's all sorts of fun stuff we do over there. Discord channel, all that, all that jazz. Um, Hit it up. Uh, I could use your support. It's a lot of fun. Keeps the show going here. Keeps stuff moving. Uh, Also, if you haven't subscribed to the show. Uh, just on Spotify or Apple or, or whatever. That would mean a lot. I'd appreciate it so much. Uh, leaving a rating and review. Those things help. Telling your friends. Those things help. Oh, here's something I haven't pitched in the old intro yet. Uh, there's an email address you can write in to me directly at, which is the first ever mailbag at gmail.com. I eventually will do a mailbag episode where I read some emails, talk about it, answer some questions, whatever. Um, So, yeah, if you want to reach out directly, hit me at the first ever mailbag at gmail.com. And lastly, Touche Amore is touring this spring. Dates include Vane on all of them, but dates also include shows with Gleamer and Third Face. Also shows with Military Gun and Scowl. Some shows with Closer. There's a lot of dates. There's a lot of different bands on this thing. Hit up touchamore.com slash tour to uh, to get a ticket. Come hang out, please. It's our first headliner in a very long time. So uh, all your love and support would be very, very much appreciated. All right. Without any uh, further ado, here is my conversation with my friend, my brother, my bandmate, Clayton Stevens. What's up, Clayton? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, Jeremy? <laughs> I'm good. It's uh, you're you're the second member of the band to be on the show. Um, it's always you know it's kind of fun because you know we uh, we talk often, we see each other often. So yeah. but I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you having me here. <laughs> um, you know I with all the people that I often have on, um, I always try to frame it as like, you know, when they have something going on, it feels like a good time to promote something. Um, as opposed to 
you know, I, I feel like I can be uh, a little hard on myself where I'm like, I don't want to just waste your time. Like, I want to bring you on for a reason. So the reason is you just launched a, uh, a new podcast. And uh, w- what do you feel comfortable calling it? Like, do you, are you calling it a podcast? You're calling it like a, a YouTube show? Yeah, uh, I'm still getting I'm still getting used to that. Uh, I guess I'm calling it a uh, a, a show and like <laughs> it's available as a podcast and you also can watch it on YouTube. You know, have you when you two talk about it? Okay, well, first off, it's called the alternates. It's called the alternates. Yeah. And when you go to advertise it, are you two trying to push the YouTube show maybe harder than the podcast? Maybe like, hey, if you can't watch it, you can also hear it as a podcast or. Yeah, yeah, I would would say so. Yeah, that, um, you know, just for whatever people like if they want to listen to it in their car that's the way that they digest that type of stuff i think it still works for that but um with some of the stuff and some of the segments i think it's kind of fun to follow along with the video and we have like some graphics and brian is my co-host on it um he's really good with all that stuff and the video side of it and i i think it adds something to it but i feel pretty confident like that you could listen to it or like you know when i've watched it back i'll kind of like watch it and do other stuff you know, around like it doesn't have to be that it can be a passive sort of listen. Right. You told me something interesting, which was that you two had kind of run some test episodes before you mm-hmm. launched it. It's something that you two thought about um, was not trying to make it so visual specific so that it does work as a podcast medium in the sense of like, you know, when you're watching a comedy special and then right. The, the comedian does a very visual joke and then they also put that album out as an out al- or they put that special out as an album and then you're like well shit like you can't see what they're doing during this scene and it's always kind of funny when that happens so i guess what i'm asking is like are you two kind of conscious of of that aspect of how there's these two different things i think for now yes um you know, the idea, I think at some point, hopefully would be to go to even a a live situation where we could eventually like interact with people and get people involved and uh, hear what, you know, like, so the show is uh, about the NBA and the sort of dichotomy that both Brian and I live of like being punk rockers and also like loving sports in the NBA specifically. Um, And he's, he's a, NBA uh, media credentialed writer and covers the Clippers here in Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, for now it's, it's video and it's a podcast and we hope to uh, get people to, you know, start following along with us and sort of evolve as we go, you know, but trying to stay, trying to um, be definitely a little conscious of, yeah, this is an audio thing at this point right now. I think it's, I mean, I think it's such a great idea. There is such a funny thing. You know, I I feel like when we were a lot younger, the idea of punk and sports, like never the two shall meet. But then in America, for sure. I mean, there's like yeah. the soccer, like the oi, um, hooliganism, sure. right? Like <laughs> yeah. in, in other, uh, other parts of the world um, where those but things you, meet. But yeah, in America, it's definitely been like the, the jocks versus the rockers. <laughs> right. And, and I think as time has gone on, you know, people have started to be a lot more comfortable being like, well, I, I do have a favorite baseball team. I do have a right. favorite basketball yeah. team. And, and now and there are ways that they intersect. Yeah. Totally. Like being like le- leftist politics, you know, these are gigantic unions, you know, that, um, 
like in baseball, the the unions are uh, the the baseball union was one of the first unions in America, you know, brought that to the forefront of workers' rights and stuff like that. So like these these things that seem to not meet, they actually do a lot more often. And also like playing sports in a way is is it's like art where you have to forget about where you are and tap into that thing inside of you, you know, that you don't know how to do until you do it. So I think there's just a lot of interesting crossover between the two things. Let me ask you this. Is there any known sports uh, figures, athletes that are notable punks? Like, I don't know that I've ever had, you know, like in the way that well, all of a sudden when someone gets into politics, you know, like guy from indecision is now, you know, like a part of the, the mm-hmm. New York like political t- world. So like, or you know for another like Beto Beto Rourke everyone was like oh he comes from punk or whatever like has there been any athletes that are like notable hardcore people you know um I I know like on this on uh, the side of like hockey they lean a lot more rock like I think I know you've been to a hockey game like you know they're always like I was actually joking with Elliot about this uh that like it's not a joke like they they like they score a goal and like enter Sandman, like blast and like Stone <laughs> right. Temple Pilots and like stuff like that. That's like slightly adjacent. Um, yeah. So I and think like in new that noise world, is, yeah, new noise is like a jock jam. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> you know, I think in the NBA world, not as much. Obviously, like the rap has oh, sure. is is sort of what's most popular. But even within that, I think like a lot of them are listening to the younger rappers who are more influenced by like punk rock and metal and alternative stuff so there is a little bit of crossover with like the skinny jeans and leather jackets and like the the look and style like kevin durant famously wore a morrissey shirt and like you know there's there's been a few things like that but um i'm curious to uh as we go along here find out more because i've already heard some rumblings of like oh this guy who you know, he played for, I can't even remember the guy's name, but he played for some team in the 90s and his sister was uh, in Nashville Pussy, I guess. And, okay. you know, like opened up a rock bar or something like that. Like I got a tip of some something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we'll probably be finding out more. But obviously a lot of people who are involved uh, in the world, like now that I've met Brian, you know, knowing, meeting him and meeting his friends and people like that that are, work for the team or work uh you know photographers and people who work for the arena all those other jobs that make the whole thing run totally i mean like even just you know atiba who is right a, yeah totally has, has done so much amazing sports photography photography for the like for the lakers and all of that but it's like yeah slam magazine like, yeah right he, he did slam too. magazine yeah yeah totally yeah exactly um well, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm excited for you. As soon as you announced it, I was like, this is the most Clayton shit ever, you know, and I don't, I, if I could be wrong, but it feels like a pretty untapped market of, of the, the punks that are talking sports. Like, is it a pretty untapped market? I think so. Um, I was, as far as you, you know, know, as far as you yeah, know, yeah. like, uh, I, I know that there's a, I guess there's like some guy who d- did a kind of punk rock radio sport, um, soccer thing in relation to the LAFC that's here. Okay. Um, I don't know much about it, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's a, a ton of people doing it. And uh, I was weary even of the, like Brian kind of brought this like, Oh, I've been thinking about this. And then uh, we talked about it and 
it just kind of stuck in my mind, you know, like as the days went on after he told me. And then we talked about it more. And I was like, well, what are you actually thinking about it? And then as we started talking about it more and more, I was like, well, you know what? I actually do think there's something here and like playing music and, um, you know, being able to hopefully bring a little bit of like the people who follow the NBA to let them hear some like actual independent music that they might not ever come across. Um, and then for the people who know the music, it's, it might be a way for them to, like, I had a couple people even reach out that are friends, like, Hey, I marginally like the NBA, but I'm excited to like, listen to something where I can get into it a little more, but it's like, I'm not going to be turned off by the person talking about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could actually find some common ground with that person. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I get it. Well, cool. I think, well, like I said, I'm excited for you and you know, this whole venture and I applaud you cause you know, like as you've been posting pretty uh, transparently uh, that, you know, it is a new venture. It is stepping outside of your comfort zone. And, you know, it is it's you're putting yourself out there, getting used to talking into a microphone and and doing all that sort of stuff. Like it's it's nerve wracking hearing your voice yeah, back and definitely get, putting on different shoes and, you know, like a, a different kind of identity. So, like, yeah, I uh, I applaud you for, for stepping out and, and doing this and everyone. Should I, check I out appreciate that show. it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You were <laughs> you. And, you know, I thought about you when he brought this whole idea to me was that like you and other people in my life have said I should do something like this and that. So it's like, you know, why not? Why not give it a try and, and see where it goes? And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. So as long right. as that keeps going on, like I'm going to keep doing it. So fuck. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well then let's, let's now, uh, talk about you as, uh, as rocker guy, as, uh, as, as Clayton Stevens of, uh, <laughs> Touche Amore. Um, emo rocker. Emo. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I had Nick on, it's the the fun thing is to kind of like learn even new things that I maybe I don't didn't fully know or like, I, you know, I have a roundabout idea, but maybe don't know the actual specifics. Um, I was thinking about it. You were for sure born in Burbank, right? Are you a St. Joe's kid? Uh, no, I was actually born uh, at the Santa Monica Public Hospital um, just because I can't remember exactly why, but it was the kind of thing where they couldn't afford at the time to go to whatever hospital was close. They, they were living in Hollywood at the time. Oh, so okay. I think it was just like the closest non-seeders, you know, like less expensive hospital. So I was born there, but then yeah, grew up like from the time I was born, basically uh, in Burbank. They in bought Burbank. They bought a house in Burbank around the time I was born. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't remember because I couldn't remember if Tyler was also, is Tyler also born? In was Tyler born in Burbank? I, I think he actually might've been born in Pasadena. We'll have to ask him, but I think he was born in Pasadena. But again, okay. these are all fairly close. Yeah. By. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, uh, the question that I always ask people right when they start is, you know, like the first music you connected with when you were a kid. Um, and I, you know, over the last bunch of episodes, I changed it to like the first thing that maybe felt like it was yours. I know in your household, that's a very musical household. Your dad's a musician. Uh, so I know you were surrounded by music as you were growing up. But um, what was the first thing that, yeah, that you connected with that maybe you found on your own that you you found a love? Yeah, I, I think you could interpret the question a couple ways. Like, you know, the first like memories I have of loving music are like the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Um, my dad would play Bob Dylan a lot and I didn't really get it. Or I mean, I didn't, not that I didn't get it. I didn't uh, connect to it as a young child. Right. Um, I mean, but no I connected immediately you. to 
the Beach Boys, especially, I feel like at a young age. And then um, my dad started playing REM at a young age. I really liked that. And that's the first thing I remember um, like requesting in the car, like, hey, can we put on the REM cassette? You know, like I liked that. Um, and around the same time, like Alanis Morissette, like a lot of the just like whatever the alternative radio music was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um I was definitely connecting with that stuff. And then uh, a friend of mine who I grew up across the street from, this guy, Andy, his cousins were from New York City. um, And they were into East Coast rap. So when I went over to his house, we would watch music videos and listen to rap music because his cousins had, you know, brought him back Wu-Tang and all all kinds of stuff, West Coast stuff too, but definitely uh, more you know, biggie, stuff like that. So that was the stuff that the first stuff that I really wanted to watch. I would really connected in some way to like the music videos and the look of it and just the aggression, I think, of gangster rap, (laughs) stuff like that. So I I would say that was the first stuff that I really like latched onto super hard. Like I wanted to watch it. I really wanted. it immediately intrigued me. Um, And then that same kid, his cousin, also had, uh, around the same time, the Green Day Dookie cassette. He said he didn't like it. So he gave it to him, and the two of us, like, devoured it like crazy. And so Green Day probably is the first, like, band that I latched onto as, like, oh, this is my music. I love this. Told my parents about it. Made them get the cassette for me. But there's a lot. Yeah. Is this, like... Because Dookie's what ninety five, I think, or is it ninety four, ninety five, ninety four, so, uh, right? Because 90- I think Insomniac was around ninety five, six, right, somewhere in there. Something so like th- that. somewhere in that time, like this might have even been like around when Insomniac came. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, I was gonna guess if it was maybe a little bit later. Yeah, like, Dookie had definitely been out, yeah, and then like yeah. one, and probably when I once I heard it, I was like, I maybe even had heard basket case or something like that you know yeah. like that stuff got played on k-rock all the time so yeah um but yeah i i connected to that album for sure like immediately right and did you from there so were you probably listening to a lot of k-rock uh which is the you know for listeners the la rock station yes that's, yes that's, definitely that's, listening to a lot of k-rock yeah that is a, a shell of itself at this point um, yeah but you know what like at that time it was pretty fucking great pretty great and like i would uh now i'll I'll, i can fast forward a couple years like i would listen to um love line at 10 o'clock right like i would hear my like get to hear away from my parents about sex and stuff like that right yeah it was somehow like alternative to me and weird and then after that though would be rodney on the rock and that would start at like 11 o'clock at night and he would play like the circle jerks like he would play like anything you know like you would hear all kinds of stuff there so like i'm really great and his uh theme song i remember was like a really weird brian wilson thing that he had like brian wilson recorded his song oh interesting the intro song for rodney on the rock was like something that brian wilson had done oh wow uh i believe i could be wrong um that's interesting it's funny i was thinking about recently um even a little bit last night too where I remember in the mid nineties to like, you know, mid to late nineties, always listening to K rock, like it always being on in the car or at home or whatever. And then they would have the flashback lunch 
you know, like mm-hmm. the hour flashback lunch and they would just play 80s music. And I remember as a kid being like, I fucking hate this. Like I yeah. hated all of the 80s music. And then now as I'm older, I'm like, oh my God, I probably, what a fool. Like I would have enjoyed, oh, I should have enjoyed that so much more than I did, but they weren't playing the offspring. So I wasn't interested. Yeah, exactly. Like I wanted to hear whatever was happening at, at the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 80s seemed like when we, I, I just think like I was that age and you know, that like, the 80s was it just everything sounded like old not not just old but it sounded outdated but now i listen back to it and i really like it but you know when you're when you're only 10 12 years removed from it it seemed like like this is just so passe like i don't know i'm trying my best to like connect to Soundgarden or like alice or something like that yeah and like i don't have the brain capacity to try to connect to the eurythmics you know what i'm saying i'm just like yeah exactly not for me and now now i'd probably prefer the 80s flashback to (laughs) any of that stuff so yeah yeah, yeah. as as your taste goes but yeah k-rock was like so formative and like i used to listen to the the furious five at nine which was like the five songs you would call in and vote for and i'd be like so mad if some song (laughs) i didn't like got to be above like toxicity i'm like come on yeah (laughs) (laughs) are you kidding Uh, me better that song's not better than limp biscuit faith no chance there's no chance yeah um what uh what year did you actually start playing guitar and was it a guitar that was in the like were you starting to play guitar early in the house because your pops had guitars or what's the story there yeah my dad had uh a couple guitars around like a couple uh he had a a yamaha acoustic guitar and um a, a fender mustang that he had gotten back in the day uh that i played in the early really early days of touche um and like a fender stratocaster at some point and so like guitars were around for sure so like very young like i want to say like eight or something like that i wanted to play the guitar and my dad showed me uh what's called like the cowboy chords g major c major d major but like not power chords um which is what i obviously wanted to do but didn't know that that's what i wanted to do sure you know so like it took me a long time. So I picked it up then, but then I I didn't connect with it because I didn't connect with the chords that I was playing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like this is, it sounds like guitar, but not what I want it to yeah. sound like. And I didn't have an amplifier and like all that stuff, you know? Um, and then uh, in sixth grade, like by the time I got to the middle school, um, I was really into punk rock. I was super into Blink-182 and like really gotten into the 77 style sex pistols ramones you know dead kennedys all that stuff and so um i really wanted to start a band uh but i didn't know how to play guitar really i kind of knew uh but tyler uh he knew how to he he had taken i think drum lessons first and then switched over to bass and he had learned like some clash songs and some misfit songs on the bass and so we were like, oh, we should start a band. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can play guitar. And then, you know, we go over to uh, our friend's house and he's like, yeah, I was thinking something like this, like this Misfit song. We could do something like this. And I'm just following along one string at a time. Right. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's the riff. Not even knowing like that's not how to do it. Yeah. So like I definitely put one foot forward before I was ready to. But like mm-hmm. I was just like, I want to be in a band. I want to play punk music like, you know, and then 
I don't know if I don't even know if it was him or I don't remember who showed me the power chords. I tried to think about this recently. Like I don't I really don't remember the moment, but I certainly have the visceral memory of like, oh, right. Oh, my God. This is exactly what I've been searching for. (laughs) So guitar (laughs) was around and like music was around. And once I learned how to play punk music, that was it. I don't know if I realized that that Mustang was your dad's. What is it? It's the one that was like, a, it's like kind of like eggshell white, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was originally Olymp- Olympic white. Um, yeah, he bought it back in the day, like literally selling newspapers. Wow. Is that, do, you, is, do you still have that guitar? Uh, it's gone now. He, he has a, uh, a Telecaster now that suits what he does a little better. Sure. Um, but it was a cool guitar. And it, it, I really like admired the look of it and also like immediately pretty quickly uh once i became aware like connected it to nirvana and mm-hmm. you know all that so like yeah I, I, I thought it looked awesome that was the main thing i thought about it like it didn't really sound the way i wanted it to sound but it looked the way i wanted it to look when did you stop i, I don't I, I don't really have a, a point of reference when i don't you know stop like in the fr- like i probably only played like i don't know there's like early maybe f- photos of us playing live where you're playing that guitar yeah a, a few times for sure and then like um the, also that stratocaster that my dad had i borrowed for quite some time too like because it just sounded closer to what i wanted so i don't know like I, I probably only played like five to ten shows with it maybe maybe less even what? so this is an interesting question that i don't know if i realized so those were all like basically hand-me-down guitars what when was the first guitar that you bought that was yours um i i do get the timelines mixed up in my head a little bit it's hard exactly i can't yeah and what guitar was totally it? remember because in my I know. to me in my head it's like you have yeah like that mustang you have that that strat Black strat yeah and then then randomly then not too long uh, later like it's like the guitar that kurt blue made for you there was there no no you know what it was i got a um i got a telecaster though it was called the uh the telecaster custom like it kind of looks like the um like it was a sunburst one that i had for a while um with a maple neck that and i got that i got that guitar probably you know around again like this is all it it, around the time touche started you know sometime within our first 20 shows i'm sure something like that um god that's interesting and then I bought another Telecaster after that, which I still have and still play. Like I played on that the last tour, the the Seafoam one. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you just talked about a guitar that I mean, a, a band that you were trying to start with with Tyler and uh and your other friend, which I'm assuming was Dan. It sounded like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, did that band actually ended up doing any, like did that? No, band start? no, that band, that band didn't do anything or really start because we didn't have a drummer. Um, sure. So or, what was your what was your first band? It wasn't Salt the Pillars, right? No, I mean like everybody, I think like you start a band, you try and figure out some stuff with a few people, it doesn't really go anywhere and then you kind of get into a different slightly different style and you're like, "Oh, we should start a new band." So there was mm-hmm. like a few versions of the same band with like similar members or one member different that I barely, you know, essentially don't count. Um throughout middle school i would say which is just basically you know our group of friends trying to figure out like how we could start a band it's just like years of you know those first few years of just trying to figure it out and like making a four track like we had a four track in andy's garage 
Okay. Uh, so we would record on on a little cassette four track thing. Andy um, was a ska kid. He was he was a, a ska kid and yeah, I'm punk to, I remember that and, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So and, and so was that and also like kind of metal a, a mesh, too? Was that kind of like an interesting mesh of everyone's musical styles trying to make sense starting a band? That was always for sure part of it. And then like we would start something and then like he had a couple friends at his school that were into metal. So he started like a metal band with them, you know. So, you know, and especially he was a drummer and he had a garage. So like, of course, he was in I, I imagine he was in like 20 bands. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of thing. Uh, but then I started a band with that guy, Dan, um, and another kid in my school and uh this girl ellie who's actually uh in a fairly notable band called la witch that plays around and stuff um but i started like my first real band with her kind of uh she was the drummer and the, the four of us and we were just like obsessed with uh early modest mouse like the mm. four track like experimental recording type stuff so we and like and around the time that we were getting into like sonic youth and like more experimental music and stuff like that so that's what we were trying to do and my first show like my first like proper show was with them the band was called mangy mutt uh oh, that sounds familiar yeah yeah so i mean yeah and that's when we were in ninth grade so right super young um and we played you i wonder if you remember this place it was called um casa it, it was in echo park oh it's casa like right la, there casa la raza or something like that yes I, I, I believe is what it was called and it was like a, a like communist info shop basically yeah. um they had like a huge you know communist flag being painted on the back wall it was like all red um from I what know, i remember i know i've played there yeah it was a place I, yeah because touche never played there no 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 but it, it, it yeah, but it definitely did shows and stuff like that for right. sure. Or it's like maybe I didn't play there, but I de like I feel like that's a place we probably saw Bleeding Kansas play. Yeah, it was that type of place, hundred percent. But like also like a lot of the like like the show we played was with bands that would play at like the Smell. Sure, it was like more of that type of scene. Right. How was your first show? Uh, probably embarrassing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> probably really bad. <laughs> um. You didn't sing in this band, right? No, I played keyboards and guitar because um, I had I had piano. I knew how to play piano a little bit, um, and I'm sure it was terrible. I really don't know. Like, I'm sure it was just insane. Three piece, four piece, four piece. Yeah, no, no bass. Why not? I mean, <laughs> what what do you need it for? You know, yeah, keyboards. <laughs> you need a bass for. <laughs> uh yeah so that was like and, and like we would like invite our friends to band practice and that's where that was the first band that like you know you had that experience of like my friends knew about it and we were trying to be a band and we never did anything besides again like record cassettes and stuff like that to listen back to so yeah because you had mentioned your friend had a four track so you would do four track recordings and things like that um did what well, Touche wasn't the first band you ever went to like a studio with, was it? No. Uh, first band that I went to a studio with was Salt the Pillars, which was with Tyler. Um, and we were, I mean, we were still in high school. That's when we were, uh, when we went to record, I think we were juniors in high school. Okay. Was that with Alex uh, Estrada? 
Alex Estrada, yeah, exactly, nice. who we still record with to this day. So yeah. I've had a like almost fifteen year long relationship recording with him or something. It's Straight pretty nuts. Up. Or yeah. yeah, no, definitely. So absolutely insane. I, I definitely got turned on to him from like the Bleeding Kansas crew, I think. You know, like he recorded the caffeines and stuff like that. Yep. You know, and then also, I remember hearing that he had recorded. This might have been by the second time we recorded with him, but I was like really impressed with he had done uh, the restrained. Like it came out on vinyl, whatever the first restrained to seven inch. Maybe it was their demo. Right. Um, And I was like, holy shit, like this is like sounds incredible. Like it blew me away. Um, But yeah, I guess to, I guess I was turned on to him from. Yeah, the, that whole like Pasadena scene of bands and how did you like were you going into that nervous because you didn't you probably didn't know alex right you probably were just like oh this guy's recorded stuff that i enjoy yes. or like he's legitimate in some capacity you know like whatever yeah, so, he had a studio yes yeah you know what i mean i was a ju- i was a junior in high school like that just seemed insane to me right yeah and uh how do you think you did that first time like have you two ever talked about it since Oh, yeah, all the time. We still have a couple of like inside jokes from that time, which is hilarious. Because um, like there's like a, a lyric. He'll laugh if he hears this. There's a lyric that's like, I think it I think the actual lyric like is it fucking kills me or something like that. But uh-huh. it sounded like fucking cow pie. <laughs> so we like always it's like still to this day, it comes up all the time. So, right. Yeah. I'm glad that's did it stay on the record? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, usually when you catch that, someone chimes in and says, Maybe, maybe we no, should. No, and you know it's 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 the kind of thing where it happens in the song multiple times. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so like this, but um I was really stoked on it, honestly. Yeah, like, I was like super stoked on on the process of it and stoked how it came out. And did you do it was in, like one day, two days. Yeah, like one day. Yeah. Um and yeah, he was super pro to my, you know, I was like, this is crazy. And, but we, we had, we were, we were the type of band that we'd already played a lot of shows and like been playing shows before mm-hmm. we even recorded. So like we knew the, it wasn't like we were going in not knowing how to do it. We, I think we had a fairly good idea of what we were trying to do. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, because yeah the first band you ever you toured was with was touche right like mm-hmm. did you did salt the pillars never did any like weekend warrior type stuff or anything right um no i think we played like san diego and like going to like riverside and like those places stuff like sure. that like su- southern california basically yeah. got it got it um and then yeah then obviously touche starts and then uh we fucking steal played you a show from, or two yes yeah, so i stole you from those vans or whatever uh because when that started it was originally just or like when it had started it was like yeah it was like me z and uh and tyson and then you were nice enough to to come play with us and uh it's i still look back at like that first year of the band as like it is pretty crazy how few shows we played especially like in the first year of the band you know mm-hmm. um do you have yourself many memories of the first tour that we did together? Like how you were feeling like in the van and like, were you excited? Were you 
anxious dude oh my god i was so excited yeah like you know i mean that like I, i mean when we started the band we pretty like explicitly were like it would be sick if we could go you know play shows out outside of our area and put out a seven inch that was that was that was basically the extent of what i ever wanted to do so yeah of course like when we had a seven inch in our hands and got to go up the west coast yeah it was insane and you know i was only uh a year out of high school so it was a it was a good time in my life for that you know like i was like so ready for that type of adventure yeah are there i mean you know, we've we've taken trips down memory lane. I feel like our band has always been really great, but I think now my because of uh, the last two years, I feel like my brain and my memory is like completely melted away. Whereas, like you know, I think a good trick that we've always had is we've always been able to call back certain shows and figure out what venues and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think now though, I'm shot. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, you know, some of it gets really confusing because it's like. We did that West Coast tour, and then our first tour started on the West Coast, and I feel like sometimes our first like U.S. tour started on the West Coast, and sometimes I'm like, which time was it when we played in Tacoma? Like, I don't, right. you know, like, it, the, I'll, I'll get those kinds of things confused, but like, okay, so- uh, but then I'll remember like, oh, right, like, this person was there. I, I, I can sort of trace it to that. Okay, so wait, now, now I'm a little confused. Didn't we... Did we do two West Coast tours and then we did the Thursday tour or was it right? One West See, this Coast... is where it gets so confusing. Yeah, I kind of feel like we did two. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, because we did the one with Ale- Alex playing drums and then we did the one with Jackson. Jackson. So we did two. That's two. right. That's right. So we did two and... on the seven inch. See, that's where that's why I get so confused. Right. And then the third was when we had Elliot and we went up and did the Unbroken yeah. show exactly and all of that okay um so so those first two like when it was jackson or it was alex drumming like those two tours i definitely have a hard time sometimes remembering which one was which you know i remember we played like killing the dream in sacramento Sacramento. yeah um with like sixes i think played too i love when i come across the flyer for that show because we could not have looked less welcomed on that flyer i I, I didn't feel very welcome on that <laughs> show i'm not gonna lie to you i felt it's, yeah it's so funny you look at the flyer and i believe it's like i mean there was like seven bands on that show right there was like you seriously seven, there was like and it's in the garage in sacramento there's like seven bands and then there's like an inch break and it's off center and then our band name is crammed very small at the bottom and it's also spelled wrong it's like (laughs) a-m-o-u-r it's so good classic yeah it's so good i i want to say too that show was like one of those shows where because i definitely like that band six has played right and like they were on tour with one or two other bands and yeah it was a thing we were on tour and so like all these shows combined to be the one show exactly that's exactly what it was yeah yeah um and yeah i was gonna ask though if like in those early days if there's any shows that stick out to you that you that you have any sort of specific specific memory of is like um 
just something that you may, you know, like maybe you just reflect on is like, oh shit, like I was think I was feeling this way about it, or like any shows that kind of just stands out in general. Um, that one for sure stuck out because I remember thinking there's like, oh, this really isn't our scene. And I was confused by that a little bit because I liked Killing the Dream. I thought they were a really good band, you know? And so that was certainly one where, uh, again, and it wasn't it wasn't a bad show. And like we played early, like nobody saw us anyways. It didn't matter. But um, it was that's definitely one that sticks out in my mind of thinking like, oh, yeah, I guess... I guess this is a little different. I don't know. Um, But then, you know, I guess as time goes on, then you play more and more shows like that. And you're like, well, you know, like that, that's just how it goes. Like you're, you play with these bands that are a little, and like their local scene was more like that. Like maybe they didn't sound as much like their local scene, but like that was who they were around or, you know what I'm saying? Like that was the scene of people. Right. And um, that one definitely sticks out. And then just like going to the Pacific Northwest in general and seeing like the at the time, there was just such a thriving scene of bands up there and like Rainfest was going on and all that stuff was going on. And I was really, really impressed by all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was exciting going to. Yeah. Like you're saying, like different parts of the West Coast and realizing there's an entire like ecosystem of bands that are doing the, you know like existing in their own way and you're realizing how i mean i remember even feeling that way when we went to newfoundland uh together oh my you God. Know, like what at this point like blown away ago. but yeah. like it's like okay there's all the local bands that played on the newfoundland shows were like they all were very like incestuous whereas a lot of the same members but all of the bands were sick i remember there was like the fast punk band there was like a kind of like doom band and then there was like kind of like a hot snakesy band mm-hmm and we were just like, what the fuck? All of these kids rip. <laughs> like, Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that was like a really that... eye opening one for sure. Especially yeah. going to a place that remote, you totally. know, you expect it up in Seattle or Portland or whatever. But yeah, that was, but yeah, even going to a place like Idaho, you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was a big hardcore scene in Boise, but yeah, like I was totally blown away by, by all of that stuff. Yeah, no, straight up. Um, well, then uh, it's funny now to to sort of bring bring it back to your podcast a little bit. I thought of some fir- some fun first questions for you. Okay, related. sure. So, uh, as a kid, what was your first favorite sport? Um, to it's watch, between, not so much to yeah, play. Yeah, it's between baseball and basketball. My first memories are baseball. Watching baseball with my dad. My dad has always been head over heels for baseball. Um. But that was something that was like my family did. Like we would, you know, watch baseball. On, like at the time, the Dodgers actually were on local TV, so you could just watch them on Channel Five, right, um, or Channel Seven, whatever it was. Um, so that's like my earliest sports memories. But I loved Michael Jordan, like every kid. So Michael Jordan, for sure, is the first athlete that I fell head over heels in love with and wanted. You know, I was a Chicago Bulls fan. I wanted to just everything Jordan, everything mm-hmm. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, what was your what 
would you so you I mean you just said the chicago bulls i was i have like what was your first favorite sports team was it would it, it been like probably the, the chicago bulls and the okay. dodgers um yeah. are, are my first and then like when i got a little older um old enough to you know want to go to a game or something like that with my parents um the clippers were the affordable team that you could go see for a few bucks um yeah. so we would go down to the old sports arena and see them and so that that's so i and i ended up i think also because like like many punk rockers you grow up a little bit of a contrarian you know and all my friends loved the lakers and whatever so i was like ah, i like the clippers because that's mm. the games i went to and the, the people that i saw or whatever right i was gonna ask like during because yeah during the time of michael jordan being like the biggest basketball play, like most known beloved basketball player you know, it was existing the same time as Magic Johnson, who I'm assuming at that time was on the Lakers. So mm-hmm. was there ever any sort of like internal struggle to be like, oh, shit, but there's like an L.A. guy that other people love, too? No, no. I just loved Michael Jordan. I, and <laughs> every kid at my school loved Michael Jordan. Sure. Like it was undisputed. Everybody loved Michael Jordan until yeah. until I was a bit older and Kobe Bryant came into the picture and then. I liked being the person that rooted against Kobe Bryant. Like I liked Ah. being the opposite of everybody else on that one. So that was later. But when I was young, it was just all of us being like, how freaking awesome is Michael Jordan? (laughs) (laughs) And like, he would like, like, I feel like the mystery of it was wild too. Like you would buy um, like a basketball video game in 1995 and he wouldn't be in it. It would be like player X. Cause you, they could never get the rights to Michael Jordan. Like shit like that was just like, so next level. And he was like a, a Michael Jackson level, like larger than life superstar that. Yeah. Yeah. He transcended everything. And then of course, you know, space jam and all that stuff where I was right in that age bracket to, you know, fall right for it. Did you follow interest into him becoming a baseball player? I have a slightly interesting uh, aside to that, which is that my mom's best friend uh, is a photographer and she worked for the minor league team, the Birmingham Barons, which is the team that Michael Jordan played for. Uh, So she photographed like his minor league career. um, And my mom has all these awesome black and white photos uh, of Jordan on the Birmingham Barons. Uh, they're wow. really, really cool and interesting. And yeah, of course, I mean, I was following because I was just interested that it's Michael Jordan and I just wanted him to come back to basketball. But I loved baseball too. So it was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. like as if he couldn't be bigger and more important to me. Did he ever play on a major league team? He never made it um, above the the minor leagues. No, he never actually played in an MLB wow. game, but I don't think he, I realized that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a professional level. Like he played in what's called double a, which is there's single a base. The, the easiest way to say it is there's single a double a triple a, and then the majors. And he was okay. in double a and did okay. in double a, which honestly is quite a, an achievement. It really I'm is very, imp- I feel like if this would have happened, in 2021 if we had a player that was michael jordan i mean i'm sure that i know there's players right now that are like beloved at the same level that or almost the same level as jordan was yeah, like lebron time. james or whatever yeah like yeah. if i feel like it's correct me if i'm wrong 
I feel like if LeBron James was like, I want to go play baseball. So many baseball teams would just want to hire him immediately just to get the team love and just to get the, 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 the money out of the, and the, you know, just basically like the free publicity of doing something like that. hundred percent. And so it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That was tested a little bit a couple of years ago. There was was a, there was a football player named Tim Tebow. I don't know if you remember him. He was controversial for his, uh, when he would score a touchdown, he would get down on one knee and like do Uh, the cross and like pray. He was extremely mm -hmm. religious guy who, um, I'm not a big football fan, but it was a huge story where basically like his college career was, I'm assuming he like won the Heisman trophy. He was like the most popular college football player, went to the NFL and it didn't a hundred percent work out. So he, uh, ended up becoming a minor league baseball player after being like super famous for his college football career. Um, and he went again to the double A level for the Mets and it, it like they sold out games and like people wanted to go see him and it was a whole story. And it's like, are the Mets going to call him up? Like, is he going to get a chance? Like he's put, yeah. starting to put up numbers. Like he actually maybe could do it. It didn't end up happening, but, um, and that's a smaller level than like, yeah, someone like LeBron James or something like that. Yeah. It would be a, yeah, a massive just, story. It's just interesting to think about that. Yeah. Like Jordan, who is the biggest fucking most beloved basketball player especially at that time and then wants to become a baseball player and not every baseball team was just like yeah come here come here you know well he played for so the owner of the birmingham barons he he owns the chicago white Sox, also owns the chicago bulls so So he what's funny is in my memory i was like i would have if you were to say if someone if you would have just walked up to me and said what baseball team did michael jordan play for i would have said the white Sox because in so my he brain, did he but for their minor league team okay got it and it's the same owner is it the same kind of outfit is it the same similar looking yeah similar jersey? looking yeah yeah like black and white okay so my like non-sports brain as a kid just took that as yeah he's uh he's on the white Sox. yeah and and like you are on the white Sox. you're just on the minor league version of the got white Sox. It got it there's sports people listening to this being like come on fucking jeremy put it together you know don't, you come on, man. no it's a it's an interesting topic uh, uh i want to see i want to see someone like lebron james or just like an entire nba like group just dominate olympic volleyball that's my <laughs> dream to see like can you imagine dude yeah, I never thought about it, but yeah, that would just crush. like six, nine monsters just yeah. killing people. It would be it wouldn't be fair if you gave them one month to train. Right. I feel like they would absolutely dominate the Olympics. Yeah, I've, I'm sure it would be a huge adjustment to figure out like the proper uh, how hard you're supposed to hit that ball. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like... definitely underestimating how hard it is. <laughs> but like he's LeBron yeah. James. I'm pretty sure he'd be unbelievable yeah at volleyball so many natural athletes out there it's incredible um what uh what was the fir- do you remember the first game you saw in person no i i don't know um, um would it have probably been a baseball game yeah definitely definitely used to go to a, a fair amount of dodger games with my family yeah as a kid yeah um yeah, same. I, I, I would have. I, I would definitely assume it would have been a. I used to, like our dad used to take us to to Dodger games all the time, but I, 
I couldn't remember like anything other than just like getting to eat a bunch of junk food. Oh my <laughs> god! Know? Like trying getting um, you know, like like begging to get the personal pizza. Oh god! <laughs> you know, or like the ice cream and the helmet, like all yeah. that stuff. Like, oh yeah, that's all that's that. what it's all about. Like I, I could have given a shit who was playing, Straight except for up. they're like Mike Piazza, and I'm like we'll look up for one second. Like oh, I know him, and right. Then, you know, back, back to, to my nachos, cotton candy, and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, Some, somehow not getting the worst stomachache of all time. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, that's a yeah, that's great. Um, well, shit, man. I mean, uh, I I can probably just hit you with the last question here, which is, uh, I, I, it's funny to just jump back over to to music, I guess, or yeah, answer it however you want. But the last question I always sure. like to ask people is, uh, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards? I knew you were going to ask this question um, and I didn't really have a good answer for it. Honestly, Um, obviously it's music. I haven't achieved anything in the sports world, Um, but um, I mean, I think like going on tour with Converge the first time felt validating, you know, like someone that, um, people that I respected that really, truly had no connection to me, you know, like making that connection and making me and us feel important in some way. Um, I would say that probably was the biggest thing. And like around that same time, I had a, you know, pretty decent, stable job. And my boss at the time was like, this is your life now. So it was a very like, like the, all of it kind of came together full circle and he kind of laid it out to me. Like, look, man, like I could tell you, you could go on tour and come back, but like, I know that this is going to keep happening. And I had never really wrestled with that idea to that point. You know, I was like, just kind of going day by day. Um, and it forced me to sit down and be like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I'm going to just, try every opportunity that's here now like that this is so i would say that was like the moment that i felt that but i also could say like legitimately just you know getting something pressed onto vinyl for the first time like that was a huge like wow someone else paid for this (laughs) right you know like that again like just just like i had experienced playing shows and like your friends coming and your friends of friends coming and having wild shows and experiencing that, which was really fulfilling and great, but to experience, like I said, people who are totally outside of myself. Like, I think those were the ones that it, it validated the work that didn't feel like work until you look back on it and you're like, wow, there was a lot to actually get here. Right. One that that's a great answer. One that, recently i thought about a show uh that i would like if i was to make like a long list of these moments um on that first european tour we did um the second show which was in budapest Mm, yeah yeah i remember that one where like we had finally like slept and like the first show was just such a chaotic nightmare that we were like oh like it was all right we were just like you know lesson learned don't play a show the day you land in europe um we didn't learn that lesson for like five years (laughs) 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 um but yeah like that that second show in budapest where 
it was like a cool venue. It was like super small. And then as soon as we started playing, like the whole place went crazy and hearing people sing along like in that, like, cause I feel like the first show, we didn't really have too big of a reaction from my memory, but that Budapest show was like insane. And just being like, what the fuck? Like we're in Hungary and there's, this is happening. Like yep. that, that's one that for me now that I'm thinking about it, like would be on my list of those things. That's definitely on mine too, for sure. I want to say that place is called like Zappa Cafe or something yeah, like that. Like, yeah, like Frank was, Zappa reference or something. It was. Yeah. Good call. It was Zappa something. Um, yeah, totally, totally a trip. Uh, before we go, what's, what's the, what's the latest rumblings with, with entry? Are you guys, cause the records now, that last record's now what, two years old? 20, uh, no, it was, it was 2020. Okay. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, it'll be coming it'll up on two years, years in the summer. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, we're, we've been working on a new record, uh, that's going to come out in a seven inch at some point, but you know, the world is yeah hard with that stuff right now. And, uh, we just postponed some shows, uh, that we were going to do with, uh, no man and from, right. um, but we'll probably end up doing that at some point and uh yeah just keep a lookout for that stuff but that, right on. that's basically it more music there you go cool well all right clayton thanks for uh thanks for coming on and hanging out i really appreciate it and yeah if anyone who's uh into sports at all if you could check out the alternates like like we were saying before like youtube we is put there, a lot of work into the video aspect of it so is there uh is there an instagram or twitter for either for the show yet right now we're just doing uh, our personal social media uh yeah. so that's just me at clayton underscore stevens and he's uh, at brian s cullen c-u-l-l-e-n appreciate it cool all right man we'll see you soon see you soon And that is our show. Thank you so much to Clayton for coming on and thank you for listening. Reminder, there's a bonus episode. Hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to hear it by subscribing. And uh, if you haven't uh, left a rating and review for the show on Spotify or Apple, it would mean the entire world to me and it helps oh so much. All right, I will see you next week. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.